In this episode, we will talk about the beginnings of the new ruling dynasty in Armenia, the Arshakunis. After several battles, bloodshed, and a Roman Parthian compromise, Bertat I, the younger brother of Parthian king Vologases, became the Armenian king. Remember, Arshakunis were a branch of Persian Arsacid dynasty which had ruled Parthia since the fall of Seleucid Empire. They installed representatives of their royal family in Armenia, Iberia, and Caucasian Albania. After the agreement with Nero, Tartat brought peace which allowed Armenia to grow economically and culturally and also become more independent from Rome. Tartat participated in battles with Alans who invaded Armenia for several times and looted the country. The exact date of Tartat's death is unknown. After Tartat's reign, the historical account is very sparse. According to Horenazi, Sebeos, and other historians who preserved accounts from the period, Sanaturg was the king of Armenia between 75 and 110. According to the legend preserved by Horenazi, as a child, Sanaturg was transferred from Yedesia to Armenia and was caught in a snowstorm. A white dog-like animal protected the child and the woman taking care of him. Some linguists have tied the origins of Sanatruk's name to this incident by pointing out that Sanatruk is a combination of words San and Taruk or Shanatruk, Shantavat, meaning dog given in Armenian. The tradition of the Armenian church tells the story that during the period of Sanatruk's reign, the apostles of Christ, Tadeus and Bartolomeo, came to Armenia to spread the Christian teachings. Before reaching Armenia, Tadeus had healed the Orsoinian king Abgar and converted him to Christianity. While preaching in Armenia, he had been able to convert Sanatruk's daughter Sandukht. Sanatruk, enraged by the development, had ordered the killing of Tadeus and his own daughter Sandukht. According to the tradition, the remains of Tadeus were buried in the monastery of St. Tadeus, located in present-day Iran. Bartolomeo had reached Armenia in 66, and also after a period of preaching, had been martyred by Sanatruk. This is the account accepted by the Armenian Church as a foundation of its apostolic origin. However, the historic account is much clouded as Tadeus and Bartolomeo appear to have died in completely different locations during the period before Sanatruk's reign. The intermingling of legend, tradition, and actual historical figures in the atmosphere of scarcity of the true historical evidence complicates the process of figuring out where the myth ends and history begins. Meanwhile, in Parthia, in 78, Vologases I's son, Vologases II, was supposed to succeed him. However, the I, brother, Pakoros II, seized the throne. This was something that Vologases II's son, Vologases III, would remember. This rivalry resulted in a civil war that lasted for several decades. After Pakoros' death in 105, Parthian Empire split into eastern and western parts. Vologases III, still holding a grudge against Pakoros, seized the eastern part of Parthia. Meanwhile, Khosrov I of Parthia took control over the western Parthia. Mind you, Khosrov I was the brother of Pakoros and Vologases I. Because the western part of Parthia was being constantly challenged by Rome, Khosrov I was unable to topple down his competitor in the east. III. Now that you are familiar with the Parthian nomenclature, let's see who Armenian vassal kings were. After Sanatruk's death in 110, Parthian king Khosrov I assigned his nephew Ashkadar on the Armenian throne 
without first consulting with the Roman Emperor Trajan. The latter interpreted this as an act of aggression and marched on Parthia. Regretting his decision, Khosrov took Ashkadar out in order to avoid confrontation with Rome and instead suggested his brother Parthamashir in his place. The Rayan was not going to be so easily manipulated by a suggestion to assign Khosrov's brother Parthamashir. Thus, in 113, Rayan invaded Armenia, killed Parthamashir, and made Armenia a Roman province. Trajan did not stop there. By 116, he conquered several more key territories from Parthia and created another province of Mesopotamia. Coins were minted with Trajan's name, indicating the incorporation of Armenia and Mesopotamia into the Roman Empire. Trajan thought he had enough power to resolve the situation in the East, a challenge that Rome had faced for a few hundred years. He liked to compare himself with Alexander the Great, on his way to Babylon, he met with Ceres of Parthian rebellions. After putting down those, Trajan deposed Khosrov of Parthia and assigned a clan king, Parthamashad, who was in fact Khosrov's son. In the year 116, Trajan declared Parthia as a Roman clan kingdom. Sufficing with, sufficing with his vic temporary victory, he went north to strengthen Roman control over the new Roman provinces. Meanwhile, Major revolts took place in Judea and Mesopotamia. Trajan withdrew his forces and focused his attention on putting down those revolts. At that time, his health declined, and so did Roman luck. Trajan was succeeded by Hadrian in 117. What happened next was similar to what happened half a century earlier. Remember, as soon as Nero became an emperor, he agreed to compromise regarding his influence over Armenia to Vologases of Parthia in 66. That was Nero avoided a confrontation with an embarrassment by Parthia, but declared symbolic triumph. Same scenario played out with Hadrian. As soon as he became an emperor, he gave up Trajan's accomplishments. In the year of 118, Armenia and Mesopotamia were given back to Parthia. Khosrov I seized the throne back from the Roman puppet king. So when Roman influence seceded, Bulgasis III of Parthia became the vassal king of Armenia in 117 and ruled until 144. He became known as Vagars I Arshakuni. During his reign, he built a new capital city that later would be known after him as Vagarshapat, the current Hmiatin, that would serve as the capital city of Armenia until 330. Because western Parthia was under constant attacks from Rome, Khosrov I was unable to challenge Vagash in Armenia. Thus, Vagash maintained control over Armenia as well as eastern Parthia. After Khosrov's death in 129, his brother Mithridates V continued his legacy and struggled with Vagash for Parthian domination. The civil war in Parthia lasted until 144 when Vagash died. Mithridates managed to put his son, Bologasis IV, on Parthian throne when he retired and died in 147. Finally, Partha became united under one leader. At the same time, Armenia got another ruler by the name of Gaius Julius Sohemus. The reasons as why Sohemus was the one to succeed Vagarsh are unknown. But what is known is that he was a Roman clan king and was not a member of the Arshakuni dynasty. Sohemus ruled until the year 161 when his reign was temporarily interrupted due to a conflict between Roman Parthia over supremacy in Armenia and Mesopotamia, known as the Roman Parthian War of 161 to 166. The war started after Vologasis IV of Parthia 
decided to invade Armenia and reintroduce Parthian supremacy to the Roman client kingdom. Sohemus was exiled and Vologasis appointed Pakorus from his own Arsacid kin as a new king of Armenia. Initial Roman forces sent to Armenia were defeated. Emperor Lucius Verus decided to lead Roman armies himself, and in 163, Romans began their offensive as a result of which they were able to defeat the Parthian forces and take the old Armenian capital, Arkashat. As a result of the Roman victory, Verus took the title of Armeniacus, and Sohemus was restored to the Armenian throne and ruled until the year of 186. Meanwhile, the Romans continued their advance and in 165 sacked the Parthian capital city, Tisbon. After Sohemus' death, the Armenian throne again returned to the Arshakunis as Vologasis, the son of the Parthian king Vologasis IV, became king of Armenia as Vagash II. During his reign, Vagash installed his son Rev on the Iberian throne. In 190, Vologasis IV died and Vagash II, while still king of Armenia, became king of Parthia and became known as Vologasis V of Parthia. He ruled Armenia and Parthia simultaneously until 198 when he abdicated the Armenian throne in favor of his son Khosrov, who became known as Khosrov I of Armenia. In 195, the Roman Emperor Septimus Severus, known as the African Emperor for his conquest in Africa, attacked Vologasis and in the course of the campaign looted the Parthian capital Tisbon. The conquest established a definite Roman control over Mesopotamia. Vologasis kept ruling as king of Parthia until his death in 208. Not much is known about the rule of Khosrov I, who sat on the Armenian throne until 217. Even though he was the son of the Parthian king, he kept neutrality while Severus waged war against his father. Upon Khosrov's death, his son Tartad was approved by Emperor Karakala and became King Tartat II, and ruled Armenia for the next four decades. Because Tartat ruled for such a lengthy time, many accounts have survived from the period of his reign. Tartat was confirmed as the King of Armenia following the assassination of Emperor Karakala in April of 217. Karakala's successor, Macrinus, continued the military conflict against Parthians for supremacy in the region. The conflict reached its climax in the Battle of Nibis, in the summer of 217, where after a bloody battle, neither side was able to claim victory and a peace deal was signed between Roman Parthia's Artabanus IV, who was Tertat's uncle. After the peaceful settlement, Tertat assumed full control of Armenia. It is interesting to note that sometime during Tertat's reign, the noble house of Mamikonian, which later had a major role in Armenian history, relocated from the former Bakhtera region of the Seleucid Empire to Armenia. While Tertat was able to strengthen his positions inside Armenia, he was not destined to rule in peace for long. In 224, his uncle, Parthian king Artabanus IV, was murdered by Artashir, who proclaimed the end of the Parthian rule and established the Sassanid Empire. Artashir thought that the conquering of Parthia was not complete without annexation of Armenia, so he waged war against Tertat II. Tertat was not going to easily surrender. After a decade of fighting, Tertat was defeated. However, Artashir, who had met such a fierce resistance from the Armenians, withdrew his forces and left Armenia. Tertat ruled until his death in 252. Tertat's son, Khosrov, 
who had participated in the campaign against Artashir during his father's conflict with the Sassanids, became King Khosrov II. Artashir, fearing the growing strength of Armenia and not being able to decisively defeat Armenian forces, looked for another way to weaken the Armenian kingdom. A Parthian noble named Anak was persuaded by Artashir's son Shapu to enter the court of Khosrov and assassinate him. In return, Anak was promised possessions and estates. Anak arrived in Armenia and introduced himself to Khosrov as an exile. Since Anak was related to Khosrov through the Parthian Arsatid royal line, Khosrov welcomed Anak. However, during a banquet in Anak's honor, Anak killed Khosrov. The enraged Armenian nobility killed Anak along with his family. His servants only managed to save his infant son and take him out of the country. Anak's son Gregory would later return to Armenia to spread the Christian faith and would become known as Gregory the Illuminator, the founder of the Armenian Apostolic Church. Khosrov's infant son, Tartat, was taken to Rome to escape the persecution of the Sassanids and in an absence of a king, Armenia fell under the influence of Sassanids and stayed under Sassanid control until 287. Shapu assigned his son, Hormizdad, to control Armenia and Georgia. Let's go back just a little to understand why Armenia fell under the Sassanids. Shapu had aggressive ambitions to take over the territories east of Persia. His ambitions costed him two wars with Roman generals, during which he had very few victories. The first war was full of attacks and withdrawals from both sides, but ultimately resulted in Persia's net gain as a result of the Roman general Gordian's death. The newly elected emperor Philip the Arab gave up his interest in Armenia and in order to acquire temporary security. That is why, at the end of the First Roman-Sassanid War in 244, there was no Roman power to check Shapu's ambitions over Armenia. At this time, Armenia was still independent under the kingship of Tartat II. Now let's finish up with the Sassanid rule in Armenia. Until 260, Shapu reached immense power in the region as Persian border extended all the way to Syria. Nonetheless, this success did not last long as Shapu lost a lot of his territories to Rome. Hormizdat ruled in Armenia until 270 when Shapu became ill and died. There is not a lot known about the rulers in Armenia between 270 and 287, but what is known is that Sassanid power started dwindling due to a civil war. As we have seen so far, during the rule of the Arshakuni dynasty, Armenia was trapped between the ambitions of the two greatest powers at the time. Romans and Parthians constantly fought for domination over Armenia. While neither of the superpowers were able to completely conquer Armenia, their power struggle kept Armenia from growing in strength as a regional power. It is interesting so that so far, neither Rome nor Persia had thought of dividing Armenia and sharing supremacy over it. We will witness the unfolding of Armenia's future as a pawn in the game of competition for regional dominance between Rome and Persia in the next episode.